You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. It's good to see you. It's good to be with you this morning as we continue our series, Where Your Treasure Is, Your Heart Will Be Also. Our scripture lesson today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with the 12th verse. It'll be on the screens, and it's also in your Bible Let us hear the word of the Lord. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose And if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas one more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In middle school, specifically eighth grade, I had made it. I peaked early in life. My eighth grade year, and I I remember it vividly, uh, eighth grade Tuesday, on a Tuesday, we had a jazz band concert and I played bass guitar in the jazz band. We also had our first football game of the year, so I got to wear my football jersey to school. I was starting offensive left tackle. You're welcome. 
So I was the blind side. So I, I was wearing my football jersey. We had a jazz band concert. I was playing bass guitar. And then after school, we had our practice. And the coach said, you know what, son? Because that's it was football. You know what, son? I want you to try returning kickoffs. I'm like, could this day get any better? I'm playing in the jazz band, sitting at the cool kid table, wearing my football jersey. And now I'm kickoff return guy for Slidell Junior High. I'd made it. And then came the kick. And uh, I fielded the ball, and I started running downfield. And then I saw before me, gee, you see where this is going. I saw James and Jason Gailey, the Gailey twins, as we called them, or as you were, thunder and lightning, shake and bake, pick something. Uh, that's what they were. They were, I don't know, 230 pounds, 6'4". So, so I knew enough, I knew enough to run and dodge them. So I pivoted left. And when I did that, I ran smack dab into Michael Ratcliffe, who was like 17 years old in the eighth grade. He, he was a man in a boy's world. You know what I'm saying? So I ran into Michael Ratcliffe and then bam, Michael Ratcliffe knocked me on my, can I say, uh, rear end real hard. I broke my tailbone. Now, you have to be hit real hard on your bottom to, uh, to break your tailbone. But there it was. So I got up, you know, and uh, walking back to the sidelines, you know, and it was fine. And I, I could see the football coach saying, well, that was a terrible idea, right? But here's the kicker. The next day in school, we had a, a band concert, not the stage band, not the jazz band, not the cool band, like the band, the regular band. Now, much love, much love, much love. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, of course, like, hello. I played saxophone in the band, but here's the thing. I, wasn't, I couldn't wear my football jersey that day. I had to wear my band uniform, you know, with the, fe the feather, you know. So I went to school with my alto saxophone in one hand and my brand new inflatable orthopedic donut in my right hand. And the, the social fall was, was, was dramatic. So one day I'm sitting at the cool kid table, a football jersey on, playing guitar in the stage band, kickoff return guy. And the next day, orthopedic donut boy. It's just, it's how fast, how fast these things happen in middle school. Throughout my life, uh, I've always been practicing something, whether it's on the field, uh, practicing football, or in the practice room, practicing an instrument, or practicing singing. I eventually became a music major uh, in undergrad. Practice was always part of my... One of the things I love about sports and also music is that it takes both a very... It takes a personal discipline. It takes a commitment to personal discipline to practice to work hard, to you know, working your feet, the movement, these little tiny things that eventually make you great at what you do. It takes a great personal discipline, but not only that, it takes a great personal discipline, but it is also a discipline that contributes to the whole. A team wins when everyone does those tiny things that they have to do. Same with a the choir. These being in the practice room, practicing sight reading, doing these things 
contribute to the whole sound of the choir. The point isn't for your voice to stand out. It is for the choir to contribute to the whole. And if you want to be Methodist about it, these things, like, like for example, giving, giving stewardship, giving is, it, it takes a great personal discipline to be able to give to the church. But that personal discipline also contributes to the whole of the life of the church. Asbury doesn't happen with one person. <laughs> the programs, the ministries, the mission, the outreach, the music doesn't happen in a vacuum. And it's not one person's endeavor. That's the thing about giving. It's both a personal discipline where we sit down and we look and we check and we read and do these things. But it is a personal discipline that moves us out of ourselves. That moves us past our own navel. Our own navel gazing. It moves us beyond. Now, if you want to be Wesleyan about it, if you want to be Methodist about it, it takes both a personal holiness, a personal discipline, to recognize the social discipline and the social holiness that it takes. John Wesley talked about both because he, frankly, knew what he was talking about. This personal discipline, whether it's prayer or fasting or you're in the practice room or you're on the field, these personal disciplines help us move beyond our own selves into a social holiness, mission, outreach, service, bringing the community together, both personal and social. And I do, I, I love sitting and, and talking with Christy when we look at the coming year. Of, so how can we give? What is this going to look like? We, we look at the numbers, we fill out the pledge card. It takes this discipline to know what that looks like so that, so that when these opportunities come up to give over and above, we're thankful that we're able to do it. Like for example, for the, like, like the organ, for example. This is great. So we've been, those of you who have been here for a while, we've been sans organ for almost a year, not quite a year. Uh, we tried, uh, we tried fixing it and, and nothing took so. This is a new to us organ uh, and it cost about $6,000. Well, where did that come from? Uh, that $6,000 came from our memorials, which is a designated fund. When one of our sisters or brothers goes to live in the heart of God, in the eternal, in, in the eternal heart of God, many of you, and I'm thankful, make a contribution in their name because you are thankful for their life. And what a beautiful symbol it is and what a beautiful image it is that every time the organ rings, we remember those who have gone before us. What a beautiful gift that lasts. And it was made possible by the personal discipline of planning and arranging. And then when the opportunity came, folks were able to give. And here we are with this amazing gift that reminds us of I would like to say the eternal heart of God, those who have gone before us, they, they still ring in our ears, so to speak. What a precious, precious gift. Paul says near the end of our scripture lesson today, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Another way of saying that is there is no one else. You are the body of Christ. You are the hands and feet of Christ. Christ has ascended and poured out the Holy Spirit upon us. We are the body of Christ. Who else are you looking to to accomplish the work of God and to point to the way that God is changing the world? Some of the things we learned in Vacation Bible School are still true. You know, I am the church, 
You are the church. We are the church together. All who followed you. Do you not know this song? That's okay. You don't have to sing with it. That's fine. <laughs> I'm the church. You are the church. We are the church together. All who follow Jesus all around the world. Yes, we're the church together. You are the body of Christ is what Paul says. And then he says, and, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers and deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret those tongues? But strive for the greater gifts, Paul says. How convenient, preacher, during stewardship season that you would lift up that verse that says, strive for greater gifts. That's not the number on the pledge card. That's not what I'm talking about. Because in the context of our lesson today, he talks about how sometimes the world, sometimes the world looks at certain gifts as being below others. Sometimes the world looks at what we offer and despises them or sees them as some kind of ranking system. And Paul says, well, you know what? We as the body of Christ, we as the church, those things that are deemed to be low, we lift up. Those things that seem to be despised and below and other and outside, those are the things that we treat with greater intentionality and we lift up. Again, it's like when Jesus was trying to wash Peter's feet and Peter said, no, that's below you. And Jesus said, wrong. <laughs> Unless I show you what it's like to be a servant leader, then you will not understand this. You will have no share in this. That's the beauty of being in the body of Christ, is that you are valuable. What you offer is precious. And in this place, you matter. I don't know what the outside world tells you about who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do or whether you're welcome or not. But here you matter. In the text it says, should the eye tell the foot I have no need of you? No. Even those who consider themselves to be the appendix of the world, <laughs> you are... You're welcome here. You're gifted. And the church needs you. Whether, whether you get to wear your football jersey and return kickoffs and sit at the cool kid table, we need you. Or whether you're that schmo carrying the alto sax in an inflatable orthopedic donut, we need you too. Because my hunch is that you've been both at some point. And when we're wearing the football jersey sitting at the cool, cool kid table, we tend to forget that at one point we carried the orthopedic donut. <laughs> All of God's creatures have a place in the choir, my friends. So do you. We've talked about how stewardship is a reminder. It's a heart check. 
we first talked about remembering what we truly treasure. And then we talked about God and creation, serving God through our gifts, not the other way around. It's not that God, you cannot serve two masters. Remember that from last week? It's not that one is good and one is bad. God is good and money is bad. It's that one is eternal and the other is not. And how the, the gifts that we bring that are fleeting can turn into something as beautiful as hearing an organ and remembering those who have gone to live in the heart of God. My, how a tangible, non-eternal gift, a temporal gift can mimic and show and reveal the eternal when we give it away. Now, some folks think they have nothing to offer. I, I, I hear that. I dig it. Do you remember a couple weeks ago, uh, Hollywood Jesus, we were talking about cool hand Luke, and he said nothing is a pretty cool hand. There's a story in the Bible where nothing was indeed a pretty cool hand. There were a lot of hungry people, around about 5,000 of them. And Jesus said, what are we going to do? And Jesus knows the answer. Jesus is like, Jesus is like my mother in some ways. When mama asks a question, mama knows the answer. She's just giving you an opportunity to confess, you know. Because Jesus is with the disciple. And he, says, he says, what are we going to do? All these people are hungry. What are we going to do? And they said, well, we don't have anything. Well, except for this young boy who has fish and loaves, who has some bread and some fish sticks. But we really don't have anything. We have nothing. And I'm paraphrasing. But in essence, Jesus says, well, if you think that's nothing, then offer it to the work of Christ and watch what happens. Yeah, sometimes nothing can be, a, can be a pretty cool hand. So whether you're the kid at the cool kid table or the one who is learning the sins of being knocked on your rear end real hard, Or maybe you realize you've been both at some point in your life. You're precious. And you're needed. And you're valuable. And that's the heart check for today. We've talked about treasure. We've talked about serving God through our gifts. And now I want you to know just how precious you are. And how important you are. Not just in the life of Asbury but to life, period. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, we do give you thanks for the opportunity to live a disciplined life, to do those things each and every day that help us to grow in Christian perfection, as John Wesley would say. And Father, it is amazing to know that the deeper we look within our own soul, the more and more we are called out to others, to be in service of others, to wash feet within the world. Help us to hold both intention, personal holiness and social holiness, and help us, help us to give. Because whether we need to hear it out loud we are precious in your sight. May we believe that to be true. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.